1: Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the new Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vince Mercagliano of the USA Today Network, and it is a big day around here. The day we are recording is Wednesday, April 6th. It is Vincent Jr.'s first birthday. It's been a year that has absolutely flown by. Parents always tell you that when you're getting ready to have a kid, time's going to fly once you have them, but you really don't fully grasp it until you're living it, till you're experiencing it. And I can tell you guys, it feels like yesterday, my fiance and I were reminiscing about the day that she went into labor and remembering every little detail about that day. And now here we are, and we've got a little guy that's very close to walking saying a few words, eating literally anything that you put in front of him and just growing by the day. Incredible. So we're gearing up for a big night because not only is today the little guy's birthday, it's also my mother's birthday. So we've got the son and the grandmother on the same day. We're hosting about 10 people tonight for dinner. My brother, his fiance, grandparents. So got some cooking to do got some steak marinating, some shrimp, going to do some skewers, some veggies, all kinds of stuff. So I got to get this podcast done, and then I got to get to work. So that is what I have to look forward to and and roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and and do some cooking, which I love to do. I'm sure you guys have probably picked up on that if you've listened to this show before. But so that's what I'm getting ready to do as soon as we're done recording. But let's focus on the task at hand, and that is this week's episode which will feature our guest this week, Nate Lehman, who is the coach at Providence College, also the coach of the U.S. National Junior Team, which now is scheduled to play in August after COVID postponed things in January. He was the coach when they won gold the previous year, and the the number one reason I wanted to have him on the show this week is because he coaches Brett Berard, a prospect you guys have heard plenty about, as far as the Rangers are concerned, fifth round pick from 2020, who has really skyrocketed as far as the opinion of him around the hockey world in the last two years. What he did at the World Juniors a year ago really impressed a lot of people. And he's coming off of a sophomore season at Providence where he was over a point per game, established himself as one of the better players in the country. And their season just ended, so I thought about Coach Lehman and thought it would be kind of interesting to have him on and break down the growth that he's seen in Berard's game. We haven't had a whole lot of prospect talk recently Because there's just been so much going on with the Rangers. But I did want to make that happen for this week. And then in the coming weeks, we're pretty much almost exclusively going to be focused on playoffs. So we'll get one little prospect segment in today before we fully focus on NHL stuff for at least another month or two. We'll see how long it goes. But it's going to be at least another month, it looks like. So with that said, got back from practice a little while ago. Eventful day. Kind of a feel-good day at Rangers practice today. We spoke to Braden Schneider, who many of you know was the story of the game on Tuesday night. A 3-1 win for the Rangers over the Devils in New Jersey. Schneider absolutely lit up Jesper Boquist at center ice or close to center ice. It was really right in front of the Devils bench during the first period of that game as clean and textbook of a hit as you could imagine. I was texting a couple people about it on Tuesday night, and a lot of people who follow the game closely and love the physical side of the game were telling me that they were really impressed with the form that he had on that hit. And it reminded a lot of people of what we've seen from Jacob Truba this year. There's been a lot of Truba schneider comparisons in the last 24 hours or so, but Schneider absolutely lit up Boquist, shoulder to chest, laid him out, Guy hit the ice very hard. It did not look like it felt very good for him. And then Sharon a uh, forward for the Devils, immediately skated right at Schneider and attacked him. Didn't drop the gloves. I've had some people say to me, well, he didn't drop the gloves. Well, he, he skated right at him. He was clearly going at him because of the hit and trying to retaliate in some fashion. It was kind of weird what he did. It looked like he went to sort of hug Schneider. Schneider said he felt him wrap his his hands around his head and Schneider, the way he phrased it today when we talked to him was it was fight or flight, and I just completely blacked out and and started throwing punches and he said he doesn't really remember it that well. Schneider was actually really, really funny today, probably the most engaging interview session we've had with him since he's been with the Rangers. You guys have heard him before on the podcast. And I've done some phone interviews with him over the years. And he is a really Really smart kid, good head on his shoulders, comes from a really good family. But his first handful of interviews, I would say, with us around the Rangers seemed a little bit more reserved. You know, he's he's trying to fit in. He's a 20-year-old kid playing in the NHL for the first time. Definitely didn't want to rock the boat because you knew he was coming into a competitive situation or he was vying for time on the bottom pair with some veteran guys who he was going up against. So I felt like he was treading a little bit lightly but we definitely heard a lot of personality out of him during that interview today. He said it was only the second fight he's ever had, which we were all kind of surprised about. He said he had one other in juniors. Certainly looked like he knew how to handle himself. He was throwing rights and lefts and just no hesitation at all. He 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 knew what he had to do in that situation and he really set the tone for the Rangers not only by firing up the bench but because the Devils take the instigator penalty in that situation, the Rangers go right on the power play, cashed in immediately, and sort of were off and running for the rest of the game from that point forward. So a total momentum changing moment for Schneider, a signature moment for him in his rookie year. I think it really raised the eyebrows in a good way of his teammates. They were fired up. You could see some of the pictures during that fight and the video. They were fired up to watch what he was able to do there. They were impressed with his fearlessness and his courage in that situation. They were impressed by the way that he handled himself. And Strom and Kreider were a couple guys we spoke to after the game, and they were also raving about his maturity and how professional he is, but also how well he's fitting into the locker room. And I thought Jacob Truba was also really funny when we spoke to him today talking about Schneider. And he was saying, you know, you, you can really tell that he's feeling a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident around the team right now. And so a follow-up question was asked to Truba, well, what's an example of that? And Truba said, well, he's walking around shirtless a lot. So that got a good laugh out of everybody. And then we brought it up to Braden when he came out and Braden blushed a little bit and he was like, no, no, it's not because I'm I'm trying to show off. It's because I get really sweaty and I like to air myself out. So it's so a kind of a funny moment there. And I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of people on Twitter asking for pictures of Schneider shirtless. You're not going to get those from me. I do not have those pictures, but uh, maybe the Rangers social media team will, will get that done for you sometime. But also a lot of talk about Schneider being, quote-unquote, baby Truba. Apparently that is his nickname around the Rangers locker room, and you can see the comparison. Listen, the kid has had some ups and downs recently. He, he talked about that today. He talked about that minus three game that he had I believe it was the Islanders game. Yeah, it definitely was the Islanders game. Definitely not a good night for him there. And he said that he came away from that with the realization that he was too hesitant. He was not aggressive enough. He was playing on his heels. And he said the main thing that he had in his mind when he got back into the lineup against the Devils on Tuesday was not that he wanted to put himself in vulnerable positions or try really hard to make a standout play, which he ultimately ended up doing, But just be more aggressive. Be more assertive. Attack in situations where there was the opportunity to attack. And that's what he did on Boquist. And I think now he walked away from that game with a firmer grip on a lineup spot than he had prior to the game. I still think you're going to see some juggling on that bottom pair. I would not be surprised if you see the Nemeth-Braun pairing again. But on Tuesday, you saw Braun finally... Get a try on the left side. I think it, it was about time that the Rangers gave that a look. And he, he played decently well. He ended up getting a goal and he played decently well with Schneider. But I think you're going to keep seeing this rotation and Gallant will be looking to gather as much information on the three guys, Nemeth, Schneider, and Braun, before you get to the playoffs to make the best informed decision possible as far as who's going to play in that spot. But Schneider listen, you got to feel really excited about where the potential is for this kid. You look at the numbers for that bottom pair, they're still giving up a lot of shots. They're still in their own zone a lot more than you would ideally like. The, the, the top two defensive pairs, Miller, Truba, Fox Lindgren, those guys have much more positive underlying numbers as far as possession and shots and all that kind of stuff. But from the bottom pair, you want guys who are going to be responsible defensively. And if they can make a momentum-changing play like Schneider made on Tuesday, that's a that's a huge bonus. So I from what it looked like at practice on Wednesday for Thursday night's game, I think you're going to see Braun and Schneider again. But also, like I'm kind of warning everybody, don't be surprised to see that change sometime in the next handful of games with the Rangers having 11 left to, to sort of make these decisions. As far as the, the rest of the game goes... Kind of low event, not a whole lot going on for either team as far as chances went, but it really felt like the Rangers were in control pretty much the whole game. I never felt like they were in danger of losing the lead once they got it. Alex Georgiev bounced back from his prior start where he really struggled, made a couple key saves, but he only had to make 20 for the game. I thought the Rangers did a much better job of limiting the odd man rushes, which were kind of a glaring issue in their previous two losses before they got to that game. And they had the one that led to the goal where Truba kind of made an ill-advised pass into the into the middle of the ice. But after that, they tightened things up and I thought that was an encouraging sign for them. You'd like to see them generate a little more as far as the offensive chances go. They only had 17 shots on goal in that game. But they got a win and they needed the win, not desperately. You know, I I find it really hard to get too worked up about any loss, no matter how ugly or quote-unquote horse shit, as Gerard Gallant said after that Islanders loss, it might have looked like. Because the Rangers have just played too well overall this season and put themselves in too good of a position to get too worked up. At least I can't find myself getting too worked up over any one game. These guys are tired This is more games already than they have played in either of the previous two seasons because of the COVID restrictions. So they're in sort of uncharted territory right now. And I think the goals for them in these next 11 games as they gear up for the playoffs are twofold. Number one, continue integrating new guys into the lineup. Figure out what your combinations are going to be. Make sure that they're comfortable. Assimilate them as best as possible. And number two, probably the most important thing, keep guys healthy. The last thing the Rangers need right now is to overrun a guy and risk injury when they are less than a month away from what will be game one of the playoffs. So those, I think, are the primary concerns right now. If they have an off night like they did against the Islanders, they got off to a poor start in the following game on Sunday against the Flyers, although they turned it on late rallied to force overtime. So that was an encouraging sign but there's a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, at least, at least as far as what I see on Twitter, a lot of people that were seem pretty panicky to me, especially in that Friday night game against the Islanders. And I get it. It's the Islanders. They're a big rival, but the the main thing that my main advice to everybody right now would be don't live and die with the results of these final 11 games. The players, they want to win. Don't get me wrong, but they're in a, they're in a pretty good position right now. They know it. And a lot of them have sort of hinted at or even admitted in the last few days that they do have the playoffs in their back of their mind. So to go for lack of a better term, balls to the wall in every single moment of every single game, that might not be in their best long term interest right now. So unless we see, you know, a five game losing streak where they're getting shut out left and right and, and it just looks atrocious, you're not going to hear me hitting any panic buttons right now because, the, the majority of the work for the regular season is done. This team has played well enough. They have earned the right to go into the playoffs and see how they fare there. We're going to have a lot of questions about potential flaws that might crop up in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. But as far as what the games mean right now, the meaning of each individual regular season game that is left on the schedule, it's not the end of the world if they take a few losses here in these final 11 games. So... Little little word to the wise there as far as that, con- that is concerned. A good sign for the Rangers on Tuesday is that they got Ryan Strom back. He had missed four games with a lower body injury. I actually asked him after the game if he had played it a little more cautious than he might have at another stage of the season because of how close they are to the playoffs, and he basically said yes. I, I told you guys last week, I had seen him in Pittsburgh working out, walking around, seemed fine wasn't having a noticeable limp or anything like that so he seemed like had they really needed to push him he might have been able to come back a game or two sooner but i think taking the cautious approach was the right approach and he looked great i thought he was one of their better players on tuesday night scored a goal was very active seemed to be skating and moving around pretty well and one of the things that i tweeted out during the game was that power play unit now i'm not saying strome is he's he's quite honestly, the least dynamic player of those five guys that are on the top power play unit. But whatever it was about having those five together, it just clicks. It just works. We've talked before, and I've raised these questions myself before, so I'm in I'm in the same boat with a lot of you, about would it make more sense to add another lefty? They have four righties right now. Do they need more balance? Should they give one of the young guys like Kako or Lafreniere a chance to thrive in a role like that? increasingly, it's become super obvious to me that the answer is no. These five guys, Zabanajad, Kreider, Strom, Panarin, and Fox, it works. It might not make sense to you on paper. It might not make sense based on the lefty-righty thing, but it works. Those guys know where the other one is on the ice. Chris Kreider did a really good job, I thought, of explaining what each one brings to the table, including... He said, uh, Artie, you never know what the hell he's doing. It's funny that Kreider calls Panarin Artie. I think he's the, the only guy on the team who does that. But it, it, I got, we all got a kick out of hearing him describe Panarin by just basically being like, you don't know what the hell he's going to do. And that, that's what makes him so dangerous. But that unit overall as a whole, do not mess with it. That is, your, that is one of the strengths of this team. They rank second in the league right now in conversion rates on power plays. Let them roll and hope you can get them on the ice together as, as often as possible in the playoffs. So, I think that the power play questions save them for next year because that fivesome, no doubt about it in my mind, you have to keep them together. And that was very, very obvious with Strom back out there on Tuesday night. We're still waiting as far as getting guys healthy. Strom's back, but we're still waiting to see Kako and Rooney rejoin the lineup now galant had hinted last week that they were hoping for at least a return to practice not quite games but practice this week i thought that today wednesday might be the day that we saw them back out there with the team they were not so i know that's causing a little bit of panic among the fans as well i have heard this multiple times and and galant confirmed it as well that they skated prior to practice today and they've been doing that frequently they've been gearing up and skating pretty much daily it sounds like so Galant sounded like once they do begin practicing with the team it might not take all that much time for them to feel comfortable putting them into a game but he's also been pretty adamant that they're not going to rush them just like we talked about with strome at this stage of the season you, you want to make sure they're absolutely 100% before throwing them back in there. I do think with Kako in particular, because you're expecting him to play a top nine role, we're probably going to talk, I think, later in the show about exactly where that role might be, but definitely somewhere in the top nine, you got to figure out what the best combinations are. And you want at least, I don't know, I'd say five or six games to feel comfortable about whatever you're going to do and, and giving that a chance to succeed and giving them a chance to get a few games under their belt so you'd like to see him return sooner than later no doubt and it definitely sounds like it's close but not quite there yet so that, that's the update on those guys they're skating they're doing hockey activities you know puck handling shooting all that kind of stuff but they've not yet reached the point where they feel comfortable throwing them out into a, a full practice setting with all the team and everybody on the ice and contact and all that kind of stuff. So close, not there yet. It's definitely a situation we'll monitor. If we don't see them by the end of this week, I think that maybe we'll start to certainly not panic, but you know crank the needle up a little bit and, and ask a few more questions and, and start to become slightly more concerned. But They do have 11 games left, and from what I've heard and from what Gallant has said, it's it's baby steps, but it's moving in the right direction. So that's the update on those guys. The Rangers, as far as what's coming up next for them, they have one more matchup with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, as we know, is likely going to be their first-round opponent. That's on Thursday night at the Garden. So kind of the last test for them against the Penguins. I think they fared pretty well against them. And they're currently four points up on them in the standings for second place in the Metro Division. So that's good for the Rangers because that would give them home ice advantage in the first round. They're actually only two points back of the Carolina Hurricanes, although the Hurricanes do have one game in hand. But I have to tell you guys, the Rangers certainly would not admit this. And I don't even know if this is 100% how they feel. But my opinion is that I'd rather play Pittsburgh, given the success that we've seen the Rangers have against them this season, as opposed to who they would have to play if they ended up passing Carolina and winning the division. Because right now, that would mean you're playing either the Boston Bruins or the Tampa Bay Lightning. And both of those teams scare me a little bit more than the Penguins do. I They're currently tied for third place in the Atlantic. They have significantly better records than... Actually, I don't know if it's significantly better. I think they're both a couple points better than Pittsburgh. But regardless of the record, Tampa two-time defending champ... Boston, a really battle-tested team that for me, when they're fully healthy, I think is a better team than Pittsburgh. So if I'm the Rangers, I'm very happy with finishing in second place in the Metro Division. I think that's a great landing spot for them. It gets them home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, and it gets them a matchup with an opponent who we feel pretty good about them being able to handle. It's not saying it's a guaranteed win if they play the Penguins in the first round. I think it would probably be a six or seven game series, but I would like the Rangers' chances in that series better than I would in a series against, let's say, either the Bruins or the Lightning. So I don't know if there's a need to really, really push to try to pass Carolina. I think you'd like to stay ahead of Pittsburgh if you can, not the end of the world if you don't, but second place for me would be just fine if I was making that decision for the Rangers. So anyway, all right, that's going to do it for the opening segment. Let's get to our interview with coach Lehman. And then I will be back after that interview to answer some of your Twitter questions. And now let's welcome into the show, a guest who is going to help us get to know one of the Rangers prospects who's really been moving up the, the pecking order in a lot of people's minds in the last year or two, and that is Nate Lehman. He is the coach at Providence. He's also the coach of the U.S. Men's World Junior Team. So, Coach, really appreciate the time today. How, how are you doing?
0: Doing good. Doing good.
1: Thanks for having me. No, I, I appreciate it. I, the, the season's over for you guys, but it, it's kind of still fresh, I'm sure, in everybody's mind. So while it is, your overall assessment before we start getting into uh, Brett Berard specifically, just as far as a team standpoint, how, how do you feel about the way everything went this year?
0: I don't know. It's uh, I still haven't. I still haven't. I'm um, I'm reviewing a lot of film, um, but you know, like uh, we we did some great things this year. We had 22 wins. We we finished in the, in the top 10 or the top 20 in like every major category. You know, um, but for whatever reason. Um, yeah, you know, we just didn't put it together in certain games. And the the play was very good. I think our, our, our finish in, in some of our big games and, you know, some of the goals that we gave up in some of our uh, bigger games, those are the areas that I think we still need to mature.
1: And do you feel like w- with the core you have, I mean, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head how many guys you have coming back, but you're building in the right direction and, and, and pleased about where you might be headed for next season?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, the team that knocked us out of our league won won our league, and and we outplayed them pretty uh, pretty well in that game. So I, you know, like I don't think we're far off. We 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 will return the most goals of of anyone in our league. So that's that's a positive sign, also. But you know, there's there's areas that you're still um, you want you want to get better at, and um, and you know, as I mentioned, I think. The group that uh, that is returning, I mean, I think we were one of the youngest teams in the league last year. So we'll be that year older. Um, and I think that's really going to help our maturity level in, in, in some of our bigger games.
1: Well, one of the guys who you should have coming back and the guy that I'm sure, you know, Rangers fans want to hear about is Brett Berard, who you talk about goals coming back. I think he had 18 goals this year. Uh, 38 points, I want to say. And, and point, you know, people can look at that and say, wow, the offense popped in some ways this year. But overall, in terms of the growth that you've seen in his game, especially from his freshman to his sophomore year, what can you tell Rangers fans about him that has you excited?
0: Well, I, I think um, I think consistency is the big thing, you know, right now with Brett, um, you know, and, and learning to um, be an offensive threat every night, uh, learning to, um, you know, play complete shifts, um, play complete games. Those are the things that really, you know, he's learning. Um, and I think he took a positive step in the right direction this year. Um, you know, with the COVID year and in the world junior two years ago, it was, it was a pretty interrupted season for him. So it wasn't kind of like a a true freshman year this year. Um, it, it was much more of a, of a normal college hockey season, um, so we got to play, you know, 38, 40 games, um, and, you know, to be a point per game guy, that's, that's, that's very good offensively as a sophomore, um, you know, and, and, and it's about kind of maturing the rest of his game.
1: The, the rest of his game though, cause a lot of people, he obviously got the most attention cause the most eyes were on him during the world juniors two years ago or a year ago now, a little over a year. And what got people's attention was, was not just that he had some skill and we saw the offense jump this year, but the way that he was pesky on the four check and, and battled for pucks and was able to create some rush opportunities and things like that. Like, is that what you see when you forecast for the future? Like those are going to be sort of the pillars of his game.
0: I, th- I think so. I mean, I think that that's what, you know, what he showed in that world junior tournament is really, what he's going to have to show, you know, throughout his career because he's not a, he's not a huge guy. So he's got to work to get pucks. Uh, he's got to work to make impact in games. He's a very good skater, and he's and he's got a good stick, and he has a good release, and he has good vision. Like, all those pieces are there. But the, the consistency of the way he played in the World Junior Tournament is something that he needs to learn night to night because with the World Junior Tournament, he's playing 12 minutes a game, you know. Uh, 13 minutes a game, you know, the big games he's playing 15, um, you know, at, at Providence, he's, he's playing 18, he's playing 19. And learning to do that shift after shift, um, you know, w- with some consistency and then back-to-back games, I think is something that, you know, Brett's still learning very much, but I think he took a big step in the right direction this year.
1: Is part of that, the ongoing physical maturation, or is a lot of that in your mind also just mentally being ready to do those kind of little things on every single shift.
0: I think it's both. I think it's, you know, part of it is his body breaks down, you know, very early in the season. You know, I, we, we always play back to back in college and, and, you know, I, I I noticed if I played him over 18 minutes, he was, he wasn't uh, he wasn't himself the next night and he he didn't have the jam, um, you know, that, that was needed. Um, I started to back him down to 18 minutes, um, 17 and a half, somewhere in there. And then and then he was able to be a better player the next night. And as the season wore on and the second part of the season, he was getting better and better and better with that, where I think our last probably three or four games, I had him up around the 19 minute mark again. Um, but, you know, I, I think part of it is physical, part of it's mental. You know, part of it is learning to do it a night to night to bringing – Uh, bring in your best hockey when you're not feeling great or when you're a little bumped up or when your opponent's hard on you.
1: The, the offensive numbers that jumped up this year, what about his game in in the offensive zone stands out to you? And what do you think projects as things that he'll be able to do well at the next level?
0: Well, I think he's really good below the goal line. Uh, I I think, um, you know, including on the power play and he, you know, he played the goal line force on the power play it was new to him. Um, we, we, hadn't tried him that as a freshman. Um, uh, and he was just, he was really natural down there. Uh, he's good with wraps. He's good with jams. He's quick and in, in tight areas. Um, and then, you know, the, the other part of his game is, is being pesky, you know, like when, when he's on pucks, when he's pressuring pucks and he gets those steals, uh, he's so quick that he can attack nets quickly. Um, so those are two areas that I, I think that, you know, he can, uh, he can impact the next level.
1: As far as the world juniors go, you guys were obviously disrupted this year, but now this, the planet sounds like it's to play in August. So for you, how unique is that situation? But then also how much are you looking forward to it?
0: Well, I, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um, you know, just to um, get another crack at winning a gold medal. The yeah, there's a lot of unknowns still, you know, about um, and I actually have a meeting Friday, but there's a lot of unknowns still about what the roster is going to look like. I mean, I, Brett would I would imagine Brett's going to be on the team. Uh, he's been on the, you know, the past two. So he'll be on the team as long as he's healthy. Um but you know, there's some other there's some other kids that might be signing already in the NHL and playing games, and if that's the case, they might not be available. So um, I'm excited about it, um, but uh, you know what it's going to look like. I think we're all still kind of up in the air a little bit.
1: Yeah, so it's it's no guarantee that the roster that you had in January will be the same roster you have in August.
0: Yeah, no, I, I i don't think I don't think it will because I think there'll be some guys that that might have signed NHL contracts. I think there's some guys that you know we have a, a Ford that broke his leg pretty badly, and I, I don't think he'll be back. Um, so you know, I, I think I think it's going to look it'll look different
1: for, for Brett. Wh- what was that opportunity you think going to mean for him? Because we had seen him in that pesky third line. For checking, you know, like you said, twelve minute a night kind of role last time around, but this time it looked like he was going to be in the top six, playing with some really high quality players, some high draft picks. So, was that in your mind going to be a, a real test for him, a real opportunity for him to, to see how he meshed with guys like that, and whether he could, you know, be a oh, player? He producer? can do it. Yeah, yeah, he was
0: he was in our top six, a hundred percent. He'll be, you know, as long as he's healthy, he, I would imagine he'll be in our top six again. Um, he scored a nice goal in the exhibition against Finland. I thought that was a good sign because usually, you know, like if you score early in that tournament, you usually have a pretty good tournament. Um, so I thought that was a really good sign. And I thought he played a pretty good game against Slovakia. And Yeah, he'll be a guy that, you know, having played in the tournament now once and parts of a second time, I think that we will rely on pretty heavily within, within
1: the lineup. And then as you look ahead, everybody, I think, you know, he, he was a fifth round draft pick. He's a guy that I think most people feel like a few more years of development are going to do him a lot of good. But as you as you look forward, like in, in your mind, is he a guy you made a comparison before we started recording that I thought was interesting for Rangers fans? But is he a guy who you think you, you see having the ability to, to get to the NHL and, and make an impact for the Rangers down the line?
0: I hope so. I mean, I hope, I hope, I think it's, you know, he has to get stronger for sure. Uh, I think his game has to mature a little bit as far as, um, you know, learning to play night to night and learning to get keyed on. Um, You know, I I think, you know, when when he can get frustrated at times, and I think he needs to, you know, work through that. But, um, you know, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Brett has a, a chance to be a Hobie Baker candidate and and be one of the top players in college hockey and then and then move on after college hockey and and hopefully you know play for the Rangers um so I yeah I think uh if, if I was a Ranger fan I would be you know I, I think they did a good job with the pick I'd be excited about it and um you know and know that he's probably not going to make an immediate pack impact next year or the year after but you know maybe when he's done with college I think he's going to be a lot stronger. He's going to be um, he, he will have dominated the level that, that hopefully that he was at and um, and ready to take uh, the next, the next step because he will have put together a really good resume.
1: And you said you see some similarities with the guy, the Rangers recently just signed out of UMass in Bobby Trevino.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I think Brett might have outscored him a little bit in Brett's sophomore year. But Bobby was, uh, you know, you got the player of the year in, in our league this year. And, you know, I think Brett's going to end up thicker and stronger than, than uh, Bobby. But right now they're about the same size. Um, they both play a, a, a high-energy, uh, pesky game. Um, they're both, you know, pretty good skaters, good on their edges and make plays. Um, so uh, I thought that was a good job by the Rangers to get him, uh, you know, and hopefully in, in a couple years uh, – you know, Brett will be, um, you know, at that level or better also.
1: Great, great. Well, Nate, I appreciate the time so much. We, we really uh, appreciate you taking this this moment with us uh, after the season, and we'll definitely look forward to hopefully seeing you guys play in August and seeing what Team USA can do uh, Whether they're looking for a repeat. so So thanks again for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. And we're back. I'm sure you guys are going to be hearing a lot more about Brett Burrard in the coming months and coming years. I will certainly be diving in and, and calling around and writing, uh, I'm sure, some kind of story about him this offseason when we do our prospect rankings. It's pretty much a no brainer that he's going to end up somewhere in the top 10. I think he was number 10 last summer, but he, he's moved up from that spot. Not quite top five, I don't think, I, although that could change once I start making calls and feeling it out and talking to different people about him. But I certainly think he's moving up into that six, seven, eight range. Feels like a guy who's made a lot of progress, especially given his draft position. And it, it was really great to be able to have Coach Lehman on the show to talk us through some of that evolution and talk us through the stuff that he thinks that Barrard needs to get better at. And a lot of that seemed to be consistency both mentally and physically, being more prepared to, to give his best on every single shift. This is a guy who's going to, at the NHL level, most believe be more of a bottom six, maybe middle six kind of winger who is going to need to play that pesky, aggressive style to be successful. So as somebody actually I spoke to recently called him sort of a, a poor man's Brad Marchand, he's going to have to be that kind of player who has some offensive pop, but really excels at getting under opponent's skin, really excels at hounding pucks and forechecking and chasing down pucks behind the net, working around the net. You heard Coach Lehman talk about is one of his strengths. So if he can really build on that identity, that's going to give him the best shot of having success at the NHL level. And of course, it's something that we will be excited to see how it plays out in the coming years. With that, we are going to shift gears and get to some of your Twitter questions and I did not give you guys a whole lot of time for submitting these. I usually like to do it earlier in the day and then give it a couple hours, but I just posted it shortly ago and I'm going to just browse through it really quickly. Like I said, I got I got to cook for the baby's birthday, so priorities are in order today, folks. We'll start with the first one from Christian P 616 is 616 your birthday? Because that's my birthday, June 16th. So if it is, that's pretty cool. You wrote, rank these teams from easiest to hardest playoff matchups Pittsburgh, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, Boston. Well, we just kind of did that. But I would say easiest for me would be Pittsburgh. Second easiest for me would be Toronto. They have so much firepower. We know how talented they are, but their lack of playoff success and it just. That raises question marks and that makes me unsure of how well that they would do in a playoff series and I think even though we've seen the Rangers give up a lot of chances and shots against them when they've played we've also seen the Rangers beat them so I would probably put Toronto at number two number three I guess I'd say Boston Boston scares me but not as much as Carolina and Tampa Tampa mm, Tampa or Carolina number one that's a tough decision Tampa's Tampa feels like they should be the choice in a lot of ways because two-time defending champs that's about all you need to say they've they've been there done that all the experience all the pedigree all the talent roster is about as well-rounded as you can get and Vasilevsky prior to the season was considered the best goalie in the world still considered one of the best goalies in the world so I might lean towards Tampa even though we've seen the Rangers beat them a few times this year Carolina to me is scarier in the sense that they're just a bad matchup for the Rangers because of their speed and their four check. And they've made the Rangers look really bad in a couple of the games when they've met not just this season, but in recent seasons. So I would be tempted to say Carolina number one, but the only thing holding me back from them is goaltending. I don't trust Frederick Anderson in a playoff setting, especially in a seven game series. So the Rangers would have the clear advantage with their goalie in that series. So Tampa, Carolina, 1A, 1B, but maybe I'd be slightly more scared of Tampa if I was ranking those teams. All right, next question comes from Jackson with a whole bunch of numbers. And Jackson wrote, thoughts on the very small Igor slump. Do you think it hurts the chances for Hart or Vesna?" I think it hurts his chances for Hart. I don't think he's winning the Heart, honestly, at this point. Austin Matthews is kind of running away with that, at least in the opinions of many. We'll see. I'll let you guys know if I end up getting a vote this year, who I end up going with. But Vesna, he's still got to be the front runner. Like his save percentage and some of his numbers have slipped a little bit in recent weeks, but he still, I think, leads the league by a pretty healthy margin. I'm actually going to pull this up really quick right now. I'm curious about save percentage. Save percentage, Igor is at 933 right now, which is, listen, that's dropped off a pretty significant margin from where he was at this time a month ago when he was in the 940s, but still 933 is very, very good. And then as far as other goalies that have played anywhere near the same amount of games as him, Sorokin, actually from the Islanders, is at 927 right now. He is second in the league. And Anderson, who we just talked about, uh, just crapped on him a little bit there but he's third in the league so you got to give him credit he's definitely having a good season but yeah Igor still when you look at the numbers and I'm sure I know I was, we talked to Valley about it last week and I was actually texting with him about it a little bit more during the week after that recording for last week's episode Igor still when you look at how he does against high danger chances when you look at how he does against breakaways he's still right at the top of a lot of those leaderboards when you look at the more advanced stats for goalies, so. Igor, I think, still has a pretty healthy margin as far as being the Vesna front runner. As far as his recent slump, I'll say this. I think it is, as we talked about in the first part of the show, it's no time to panic for anything with this team. So I am certainly not saying that I think that he is a major concern going into the playoffs. In fact, I think there's a, there's more than a decent chance that in these next 11 games, he's not going to play all of them, but let's say he plays six or seven of them, I think there's a good chance you're going to see a guy who all of a sudden is getting back closer to what we saw earlier in the season just because my feeling from being around him, watching him at practice the last few days is that this guy is not happy right now. He is playing with more motivation than I think I've seen at any point in his Rangers tenure so far. And he's the type of guy that strikes me as when he's pissed off, that's probably not a good thing for, for the opponents. Actually, Jacob Truba made a comment about that today when we spoke to him. He, he compared him to Lundquist as far as his focus and his intensity. And, and Truba said he's one of the guys in the locker room right at the top do not accept losing. And if there's any kind of a lull or any kind of a slippage as far as playing at your top level, Igor is, is Truba, as far as Truba said, a guy who just doesn't find that acceptable. So Truba said he's a good presence for them in the locker room in that sense, because while some guys might be okay with an occasional off night, Igor certainly is not. I could just tell you guys from watching the morning skate in Jersey on Tuesday and then practice on Wednesday. I've seen him give up a goal and then go behind the net and slam his stick up against the glass. So, he is definitely frustrated right now and and in some ways that could be concerning, but in other ways it tells you how much he cares. Even after the game, that the the previous game that he played on Sunday against the Flyers, he came into the interview room and of course questions were going to come up about, you know, he given up at least one soft goal in that game, the first one for sure. The second one I didn't think was quite as bad, but still a goal that you would kind of expected him to make a save on with the way that he was playing earlier in the season. And he was asked a question about evaluating his, his current play and he he wanted no part of it. He said, I don't want to talk about my game right now. Now, listen, part of you is kind of thinking like, well, you know, you're out here to talk about it. Like, why, you know, why not just tell us what's going on in your mind? But I think it also speaks to how competitive he is, and how sort of disappointed in his, in himself he is right now. He holds himself to such a high standard that giving up even one goal that he felt like was a save that he should have made, that does not sit well with him. And he was clearly in a bad mood that night. And you, you've seen him being hard on himself in practice in the last couple of days. So that could be a sign that this guy is ready to all of a sudden get back on track and and be super motivated, prove the doubters wrong or prove it to himself that he can get back to where he was earlier this season. I definitely sense that there's a chip on his shoulder and a lot of motivation right now. My one slight disclaimer or slight, like I said, I don't even really want to call it a concern, but this is something that I think is interesting and certainly worth discussing and worth being aware of is that Igor is in a position right now that he's never been in as a hockey player at any level. His previous career high for games played in one season was 39 appearances, and that was back in the 16-17 season in Russia, in the KHL. He has never played the amount of games that he's being asked to play this season. He's up to 46 right now. We've got 11 regular season games to go. Like I said, you can anticipate him getting at least another six starts, let's say. So he's going to end up in the low 50s as far as games played this season. And then you have the playoffs. So both physically and mentally, this is the longest season that he's ever had. So could there be a little fatigue? Could there be any kind of a slight dip as far as his technique goes? I had somebody who knows goalies better than me say to me after the Sunday game, Igor still seems to be doing really well on breakaways, which we saw him make a handful of breakaway saves and odd man rush saves in that game. But the two areas where a couple people that I've spoken to believe there's been a little bit of a drop off recently is shots from long range. We saw Cam York beat him with that long slap shot off a faceoff off. On Sunday, which is very uncharacteristic, and his rebound control. He's been allowing more rebound opportunities than we had seen earlier in the season. So I'm no goalie expert as far as breaking all that stuff down, but I think I've noticed those things, and people who know more about this than me have pointed those things out as well. If he continues to struggle, maybe for one of the next upcoming episodes, I'll, I'll get whether it's Kevin Woodley or some other kind of goalie expert back on the show. But There's been, if you look at the last nine starts in particular, five of those starts, he finished with a save percentage of 885 or worse. We just said his save percentage was 940 plus a month ago. Now it's 933. So you can't deny that there's been a slippage and you can't deny that he's currently in a position where he's played more games in one season than he has ever played before at any level. So those are things that I think the Rangers need to be conscious of and need to manage. The question is, Is it more important to back off a little bit and let him rest? Is that what he needs right now? Or does he need game action to get himself back on track? I think it's a healthy mix of both, which is why I say I think you'll see him probably play six or seven of these final 11 games because you want to make sure that he's over this frustrating stretch that he's been going through, that he feels better about his game, that he's getting his rhythm back and that he's, he's as sharp as possible once the playoffs start. But you also want to make sure that physically he's not feeling fatigued. And that's something that I'm sure the Rangers are discussing internally. Galant said today, it's something that he, he's he been talking with Benoit Allaire about. And ultimately, Benny is going to be the guy who I think makes the decisions about what Igor needs in these last 11 games. But... The long answer that I just gave is, is my way of get, basically saying I don't think that it's a major concern, but I also think it's something that the Rangers proactively need to be trying to manage and doing everything they can to make sure that he is in the right place physically and mentally once the playoffs start. So listen, he's still probably going to win the Vesna. He still had an outstanding season. But there's been stuff recently that because of the high standard and the high bar that he set earlier in the season, that I think has jumped out a little bit more than it would for most goalies. Like most goalies, if they give up an occasional soft goal, it's it's no big deal. That's to be expected. But Igor went so long without doing that, that I think it weighs on him. And I think it stands out to fans more when it's happening now because we just aren't used to that. So. That, that, that's basically how I feel about that. Don't panic. Certainly not. But, you know, let's see how this plays out because I do think it's important to get him back on track before the season ends. All right. We'll do one more here. This is, uh, I see two people respond to this thread here. Davey Upper wants to know, has Schneider won that third pair defensive spot? I wouldn't say won, I know a lot of people would like me to say yes after what he did on Tuesday night, but I do think that he's making it harder and harder for Gallant to take him out of the lineup for sure. And then I see Jamie Busold responded here and wrote, where do Kako and Rooney fit? Who comes out? Kako is going to be somewhere in the top nine. I wrote about this for a column that, that came out on Monday this week, where I was sort of questioning from the Rangers' perspective. Once Kako comes back, the way that it looks right now, because they have the Toronto on the top line with Mika and Kreider, and they have Cop on the second line with Panarin and Strom, is that the opening for Kako is on the third line with Lafreniere and Hedl, and you drop Goudreau down to the fourth line. I just, I'm not sold that that is the right way to go, because quite frankly, every time the Rangers have tried some version of the kid line. We've seen Lafreniere Hito Kako. We've seen Brett Howden used in that line in the past. We've seen Julian Gauthier used on that line in the past. It just never has clicked. It's never been a line that I personally have felt very confident in. And if I'm the Rangers and I want as much balance as possible going into the playoffs, I just don't know if if I trust that trio enough as a unit to roll with them in playoff games. But with that being said, if I'm reading the tea reliefs right now, it kind of looks like that's the way that Gallant is leaning. Me personally, I would be tempted to move Cop down, have him play with Lafreniere and Hedl, and then try Kako on the second line with Panarin and Strom, which, as we've talked about at length in the past... That's the spot where Kako looked best when he was playing this season. And I think Kopp on that third line would bring a lot of the same elements that Goudreau is bringing for them right now. And I think that Lafreniere and Heedle, it's kind of been under the radar, but in their last, let's say two weeks, those guys have looked much better to me. They have put up some points, not a tremendous amount of points, but a better clip than they had earlier on in their careers. So they're scoring and producing points more often. But they also just—they just look like they're playing faster to me. Like you—you you watch them on the forecheck, you watch them staying on top of people, you watch them going after pucks, you watch them backchecking, get it, going back into the defensive zone. I think they've both been better with that recently. They just look like they're playing more of that straight line game that Gallant wants them to play, more of that speed game that Gallant wants them to play. Lafreniere, we know, isn't quite the level of skater that Heedle is, but. They just look decisive to me. And I think that having Goudreau there, people might discount the the whole veteran thing, but I think that having Goudreau there really has a positive influence on those guys. Lafreniere made reference to it when we talked to him the other day. Goudreau stabilizes them. He is the guy that is going to be doing all of those little things and playing hard all the time in all three zones that... It's like the other guys have no choice but to follow suit. And I think that has a very positive influence on them. And I think that cop brings a lot of the same elements as Goudreau. Plus, he's more offensively gifted. So for me, I would give serious consideration to cop in the third-line role. It also then prevents you from needing to rely on Philip Hedl to take face-offs in a playoff game. Hito's only at like 42% right now. Cop, we know, is well over 50. So I'd much rather have the option for an important Ozone draw or D-zone draw to slide Cop over to take that face off. You wouldn't have that option if you're playing Kacko on that line. So to me, if I was right in the lineup, I think I'd rather have Kaco on the second line, Cop on the third. But it looks right now like the Rangers like the idea of cop on the second line. Maybe in the back of their minds, they want to see how he meshes with Panarin to help themselves make a better decision this off when they're trying to decide how to move forward at second line center. That could be a factor here for sure. I wouldn't discount that, but I don't know if the kid line gets together. I'd be very interested to see how it plays out. Obviously, there would be some excitement there. I think a lot of people seem like they're interested in seeing that, but. I'm just not sold on the way that it's worked in the past. You look at the numbers, you you, you look at anything, just the eye test. To me, I, I've never felt really good about the kid line together. And I don't know if at this late stage of the season, I'd want to roll the dice on that. And, and I could easily see that turning into a situation where if the kids do anything that Gallant doesn't like in a given game... All of a sudden, he's just loading up on the top six and only playing those guys, and and you're overworking your stars, and your lineup just doesn't have as much depth as it should have given the trade acquisitions that they made. So for me, I'd want to disperse the youth and the veterans a little more instead of stacking all the kids uh, on one line. But that's just my opinion. We'll see what happens when, when Kako comes back and how they play it. As far as Rooney... I don't know if Rooney is necessarily guaranteed a spot. We talked about the top nine. We know who those forwards will be. The fourth line, Gaudreau and Mott are definitely there. No doubt about it. The question is that right wing spot. Or, you know, if Rooney plays, you could play Goudreau right wing and Rooney could play center. But the question is, I guess, the third spot. And it really comes down to a few guys at this point. If you want a little more speed, Dryden Hunt. If you want a veteran presence, physicality. If you feel like it's a game where things might get really chippy, they might want to put Ryan Reeves in there. I definitely think Gallant is going to lean toward Reeves in a lot of these situations. And then if you want a guy that can kill penalties and and, and bring a little more defensive play and that sort of thing, then I think Rooney's the guy. I have liked the look of that line, that fourth line the most recently when the Rangers lean toward speed which might give Dryden Hunt an advantage. You could see Mott, Goudreau, and Hunt, I think, in certain situations on that fourth line. But Rooney and Reeves, I think Gallant is going to have a hard time taking both those guys out. He likes both those guys a lot. So the fourth line is going to be a really competitive situation. But I think Rooney is going to have to earn it to some degree. So the sooner he gets back, the better, because that will give him more of a chance to do that. All right. That is going to do it for this week's episode. I gotta go toss some steaks around, put the skewers together, chop some peppers and onions, grilling corn, got asparagus. It's gonna be good, guys. I, I will let you guys know how it turns out. But trust me, I've done this before. I, I have a pretty good feeling about the way it's heading. So gonna do that. Little guy's gonna try some of the stuff. Like I was mentioned earlier. He literally eats anything. It could change. I've heard from some parents that your kids early on eat everything and then later on get picky. But if he's anything like his dad, he's probably gonna like to eat. <laughs> and that's been pretty apparent so far so gonna go get the little guy from daycare now and then come back and celebrate really looking forward to that a quick heads up for next week because the Rangers are playing back-to-back games on Tuesday and Wednesday with Wednesday being a game in Philly so I'll be driving back and forth to Philly that day I won't record next week's podcast until Thursday so it'll come out Friday morning again we did that the last week as well so, Usually we try to aim for Thursdays, as you guys know, but next week will be a Friday morning. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. Of course, we'll have a lot more Rangers coverage coming for you guys in the days between now and then. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Big thanks to Coach Lehman for coming on the show today. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you next week.